0: Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Our text for our sermon is the Epistle Lesson, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. To remind you of that account, I will read the first verse. So then, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus told his disciples in our gospel lesson, I'm going to Jerusalem, I will be beaten, flocked, and crucified. I'm dying for your sins. Today's text explains the full implications of that and why that needed to happen. But the ultimate result is given for us right away in verse 1. Therefore, there is now, and if we look at the original Greek wording, it makes it very clear, not even one sentence of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not even one, not one little dot of an eye, not one sentence of condemnation. Christ died for the sins of the world, that's our verse of the day. Yet that not one sentence of condemnation is only given to a group of people, those who are in Christ Jesus. And again, not to bore you, but in our inspired Greek language of the New Testament, we really want to pay attention to prepositions, literally in Christ Jesus. When you are in Christ Jesus, you are the member of the invisible church of all believers of all time. You have union with Christ. Your new person is connected to him as a branch is to the vine. And so our sermon theme for today is union in Christ means no condemnation. So how do we come about to get this? We're told in verse 2, in fact, and this is the law that's about the spirit, that, that word is used as a principle, a concept, a general axiom. The principle about the spirit that produces life in Christ Jesus freed you away from the principle about sin and so about the death. Adam and Eve fell into sin. God had warned them, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And they died the minute they ate of it. Physical death came hundreds of years later, but they had the image of God and they became God's enemy. They spiritually died. God came and promised them a savior. The seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head while the serpent would bite his heel. He put faith in their hearts. And so we see there's this general principle about sin, and this is the way the world thinks. But when we think of the way the world thinks, that gives us death, spiritual death. And ultimately, because everyone who sins dies, we will suffer physical death unless we are the last generation in which Christ returns. So we see that we get life because the Holy Spirit works through that message that Jesus died for you. He enters your heart and gives you faith. And with that faith, you have the new person. So you are sinner and saint, and that new person has life, has union in Christ. And so the Apostle Paul elaborates in verse 3, in fact, the thing that the law was powerless to do, inasmuch as it was incapable through the flesh, God did by sending His very own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The law was powerless to do. It had no power. It was incapable, of says through flesh, like it's power trying to pass through. The law tells us holiness, brothers and sisters in Christ. It tells it with great precision in the Ten Commandments. But the law is not meant to be a means of salvation. It cannot empower you to keep it. It gets to that old sinful nature of ours, that old Adam, and it hits a brick wall. It's made incapable. This makes it very clear that our works cannot save us. We cannot contribute to our forgiveness. The works of the law won't do it. It is powerless. We are powerless. But God is not powerless. God did this by sending his very own son, and the apostle Paul says, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And so concerning sin, God gave a sentence of condemnation in his flesh to that sin. Why in the likeness, true God took on humanity. He became a human being. He grew to a man. The difference between him and you and I is he did not have a sinful nature. So he had our humanity, but he didn't have the sinfulness. And he did this and he died on the cross for us. There on the cross, God condemned sin in his flesh. This is the union in Christ. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we're told in verse four the intended result of this, so that the righteous requirement of the law would be fully satisfied in us. Spelling out who that is, specifically those of us who keep on conducting ourselves, not in harmony with flesh, but in harmony with spirit. Throughout the rest of the text, the Apostle Paul is going to make a contrast between spirit and flesh. He's talking about the new man that because of the Holy Spirit is connected to Christ and our sinful nature, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in us, if you will. But here he has spelled out very clearly why there's no condemnation. The Holy Spirit has given you faith, has entered your heart, so you are connected to Christ. So his flesh gets your and my condemnation for sin, and you and I, because he was sin-free, as verse 4 spells out, you and I get his righteousness. God in his courtroom declares you and I righteous, even though we are guilty of sinning every day in our thoughts virtually by the minute. So we see union in Christ means no condemnation. The law, the Ten Commandments, they kill. They're powerless to give us eternal life. All they can do is point out unholy, 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 But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives life, eternal life, union in Christ. That means no condemnation. That means we are credited with Christ's righteousness. And so he spells out for us what this new life does in verse 5 and the following. He says, in fact, those who are conducting themselves in harmony with the flesh, that's in the way of the sinful nature, keep their thoughts focused on the things of the flesh. We have a bodily existence. Our body has needs. And we can foolishly think that that is first and foremost. And one of the the great ways we break the first commandment is to make our own needs our God, to make that what we live for. Our body needs food. Our body needs shelter. Our body needs rest. Our body, emotionally, we need companionship and friendship. The problem is, without the Holy Spirit in our heart, we think that's what life's about. Now, those are things we certainly need, but we make them the reason for our existence. And our thoughts revolve around this. Without the Holy Spirit in our heart, without the new man, we cannot help but to think this way. And so we're told yet, those who are conducting themselves in harmony with spirit, that's the new man that the Holy Spirit has created, that's in union with Christ, keep their thoughts focused on the things of spirit. Is Jesus spelling out in Matthew chapter 6, telling us not to worry about the things of tomorrow, what we'll eat, what we'll drink, how we'll clothe ourselves. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The sinful nature doesn't want to hear one word of God's law, and it doesn't want to hear one word of God's forgiveness. The new man knows these are the top priority. The new man that is connected in Christ Longs to hear forgiveness, loves to hear forgiveness, loves to confess its sins and hear God's pronouncement. My son's blood has removed your sin. It understands that it man does not live on bread alone, but the but the word of God. And it changes our very way of thinking. We have with that new man, we have prescription glasses that makes us see through the worldly thoughts and start seeing things as God's children, keeping him, and eternal life ever before our eyes, especially His word. So this new life in Christ changes our way of thinking, our thoughts. We understand we got bodily needs, but we put them in the right perspective now. We set aside so many things, we reject so many things of the world that they would reject in faith and because they don't have faith. But in faith, we reject them and our eyes are focused on the big picture we think in connection with that union in Christ. So in verse 6, we're told, in fact, the flesh's way of thinking is death, yet the Spirit's way of thinking is life and peace. Isn't it the irony? People who don't have faith The way they think is they gotta, you know, they gotta have the biggest truck, they gotta have the best four wheeler, they gotta have a nice house, they gotta have enough food on the table. They're busy thinking about their bodily needs, ultimately wanting to pamper and preserve their body, and yet they're going to die. These things will keep their eyes focused away from the Lord and drag them into the depths of hell. But those who have their minds focused on Christ because of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, Our way of thinking is different. We're told that way of thinking is life and peace. You see, you are alive in Christ now. Again, we call that the new man. It's not just something that's going to happen when you die and go to heaven. You have a new person that is alive in you now, and you feed that person. We call it the saint from the word that means holiness. That person's holy in Christ. We call that person the saint. You feed it with the word of God. Hearing the law that shows you your sin, hearing the gospel that shows that you are forgiven, and again, we turn to the word of the Lord, and we use it to guide us in our daily lives. And that thinking gives us peace, brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace in knowing when hard times come, God is not our enemy. When we get diseases and and bad things happen, we know God isn't saying, I hate you and now I'm going to kick you. God has said, I'm using this for your good. Peace in knowing that no matter what happens in this life, we have union with Christ and we are going to receive paradise. Peace in knowing our sins are forgiven. And God is our heavenly daddy. God is our brother. And God lives in our heart, giving us that new man. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are told, in fact, the flesh's way of thinking is death, yet the spirit's way of thinking is life and peace. This is because the flesh's way of thinking is a state of hostility towards God. In fact, it doesn't subject itself to God's law. And in fact, it is not able to. To do so. Struggle to translate. The Apostle Paul studying to be a rabbi. used used a lot of words that meant a lot. And it's hard to unpack this whole entire sentence. But what he is saying here is. When you don't have faith. You can't think the way of faith. Now I'm going to point out a mistake that many Christians teach right here in America. They get confused. They put the cart before the horse. They say you have to make a decision for Christ as if you have the power in yourself to weigh the evidence and do this. But what the Apostle Paul just said here is, unless the Holy Spirit's already in your heart, you are hostile to God. You will look at God's law and say, God, I hate you for that. You're unfair, it's not right. You will say, how dare you demand holiness of me? You will look at God and you will think that He should let you be God and tell Him how to use His power. You will reject God. The only thing we can do unless God has put His Holy Spirit in our heart is hate God. That is spelled out clearly in our text. But God in His grace comes to us who naturally hate God and think against Him and His Holy Spirit enters our heart and He gives us faith. He connects us to him. He gives us the forgiveness his son won for us. And so this screams out, don't let somebody tell you you have to do something in order to get forgiveness because that would be a work of the law. And people falsely think that if you have a religion and you're faithful and you you teach something that doesn't involve Christ, that as long as you're faithful to that religion, you'll be saved. No. Because without the Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we're united to Christ, all we can do is hate God. Even though there are people who think they have a God and they love him, it's not the true God. In their salvation, they do things that are hostile to God's holiness and they will reject God in one form or the other. But you are able to please God. You live a life that's pleasing to God. How do you do this? That's spelled out for us. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians. And he says, yet, he says this in the plural, you guys. So we say, you Christians, you in Rome, you here today, on your part are not within the boundaries of the flesh. Instead, you are within the boundaries of spirit. If indeed God's spirit lives in you. God's spirit works through the word, the good news of forgiveness. He enters your heart and he gives you that new person. And that changes everything. It changes your mindset. It changes your status. You go from being God's enemy to being God's beloved child, to being Jesus' little lamb. But the Apostle Paul states this because he always wants us to think about that. He also adds, yet if someone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that person does not belong to Christ. If the Holy Spirit isn't in their heart, even though they go to church and hear the word, they don't belong to Christ. They don't have that union. They're not truly his lamb. Doesn't mean the Spirit's not going to work through that as they're coming. So the Apostle Paul asked that to ask, basically to get you to ask yourself the question, is the Spirit in my heart? Now, how can you know if the Spirit's in your heart? Even though you've got a sinful nature that doesn't want to hear the Word of God, you've got a new man that loves the Word of God. So you look at the fruits of faith. As Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And so there are things that unbelievers can do and it will look like they are believers but true believers with the Holy Spirit in their hearts know I also while my sinful nature doesn't like to hear the word of God it's an enemy of his my new man loves the word of God you will look at the Ten Commandments as ten ways to say thank you Lord not as just not as ten ways that just damn you to hell so the fruits of faith proceed out of this union so far we see union in Christ means no condemnation the law kills but the Spirit gives life this new life is then conducted in union with Christ. God's Holy Spirit works that new man, and he does those things. He revolves his thinking around the right things. He wants to hear the word of God. And so finally, it's already been brought out this concept that's been in our sermon and in our text, but verse 10 spells it out. But if Christ is in you guys, then on the one side, your body is dead on account of sin. And on the other side, your spirit is alive on account of righteousness dead and alive at the same time. This has been brought out because we have a sinful nature still with us and we have Christ's righteousness, the new man that is the Holy Spirit living in our heart so that we do believe, so that our hearts have been given to the Lord and have been made his. This is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, if you will. In this life, that sinful nature is still there and he's dead. He's dying all the time. Your baptism, as Paul said earlier in Romans, drowns him daily. As Martin Luther somewhat jokingly but pointedly pointed out, the problem is he floats. He keeps coming back. He, keeps, he knows how to swim. So every day in our life, that new righteous man fights with that sinful nature. And the new righteous man is going to win because he's not in and of himself He's connected to Christ. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He constantly come and is fed with the word of God and given the blood of Christ and the sins are removed. And so this union means death and life. And although our bodies may physically die because we have that life, our spirits will not. In fact, our sinful nature is going to be ripped away and that's going to be that. But that new man, he lives forever alive in Christ. And so today, as the Apostle Paul has has clearly spelled out in Romans, we see that union in Christ means no condemnation for you. The law kills, but the Holy Spirit has given you life. He's given you new life, that union in Christ. This new life is conducted within the union of Christ. You think the way God wants you to think, that new man. You love to produce those fruits that come out of union with Christ. And that union means death and life. In this life, you are both sinner and saint. But that new man is alive forever. Because of Christ's suffering in your place, crediting you with his righteousness, and that Holy Spirit coming through that message to give you that union. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.